The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone. That's the whole point. He's never gone. Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I must have not been paying attention when you were just talking to me. Do you think that you could repeat the question? Welcome to the Paying Attention Podcast, a special edition of the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi above Two Guys Smoke Shop here at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. And uh, we are we have a great treat for you guys tonight. We have the West End City Council candidates in Methuen. Uh, this is because we have to pay for the time here. Uh, we've got some uh, four great sponsors who have uh, kicked in to help us do this debate to bring the information to you. So if you get a chance, please patronize them. Royal House of Roast Beef. Uh, on Lowell Street, by the way, not only just not only the greatest roast beef, uh, like way better than Harrison's, but I go there for the clam roll. I live in North Andover. I drive all the way over to the West End of Methuen to get clam rolls from there. They're pretty good. Don's Sign Tech. If you've got a business, you've got a house, you want to sign, give Don Sign Tech a call. Rich and Abby Larachelle, uh, uh, private individuals, not a business, but they decided they were going to kick in. And uh, we had a $100 anonymous donor who wanted to kick in but didn't want anybody to know who he was. We also uh, are sponsored tonight by uh, Angelo over there. You know Angelo over there from A&M Auto Body over there? You get something wrong with your car over there, you bring it to him, he takes care of it for you. Uh, he's a good friend and he sponsors the show no matter what we do, so we want to thank him. I'm gonna, uh, the rules are very easy, very simple for you guys. This is a real debate. It's not a forum like you're used to that they call a debate. It's not going to be 30 seconds for a response. Like, you know, what do you think of War and Peace? 30 seconds, go. Um, I'm, I'm just going to throw a topic out. Uh, at the beginning, I'm going to ask each of you to just kind of introduce yourself. No time limit. Just be mindful of the time. Uh, and then I'm going to throw a topic out. And whoever wants to answer, uh, talk to each other. Don't, don't talk to me. I'm just kind of like the referee. I'm only going to step in if someone's not getting enough time or someone's getting too much time. Or, you know, if somebody says something totally outrageous and I, I need to follow up on it. Uh, so why don't we just start at the other end? Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell people who you are, why you're running for the West End City Council seat. Um, I'm Jerry Ann Battelle, and I am running for one of the seats in the West End. I've lived in Methuen my entire life, and I felt that it was time for just a regular person, not a politician, to run for one of the seats and try to help make Methuen better than what's going on right now. Bill? I'm Bill Bryant. I've lived in Methuen for the past 25 years. I, I come from Lawrence, although I was born at the Bon Secours Hospital, which was in Methuen, so technically I was born We'll give here. you a pass on that. <laughs> thank you. Um, first of all, I want to thank the sponsors, obviously Two Guys Smoke Shop and, and the Valley Patriot and the rest of the sponsors, you know, being involved in, in, in so many community activities, sponsorship and, and donations are, are, are a key for anything. So obviously thank that and, and Rich that's, that's here that, and family that's sponsored. Um, as I said, Bill Bryant, I, I'm a, a father of three. Um, my wife, Pamela Bryant, was in banking for 30 plus years and, and now works in the Methuen Public Schools as a, in the Marsh as a program assistant. Um, my three kids all went through the Marsh and, and one graduated Methuen High School. The other two are a senior and a sophomore next year. 
as I said, I, I've, I've been active Methuen baseball, Methuen lacrosse, Methuen football. I'm currently the president of Methuen Boosters uh, and the MAIC vice president, which we've raised over $150,000 for Methuen High School Athletics. Um, so, you know, my, my involvement within the city of Methuen for the past 25 years has been, uh, has been pretty, pretty large. Frank, you're up. My name is Frank Yellow, uh, born and raised in Methuen. Uh, I currently sit on the Housing Authority Board. I've been an elected official for the past six years. I am uh, the chairman of the board now, and I have an interest in city politics. And uh, we have an open seat here in the west end of Methuen, and I think I can bring some fresh ideas to the board and help, uh, help Methuen move forward and resolve uh, these old issues that we have uh, clouding us. Great. Hopefully we can talk about some of those. Uh, go ahead. Uh, thanks, Tom. Uh, my name is Mike Samad, and I want to thank... Uh, um, Stuart 21 and uh, Valley Pager for hosting this and also the sponsors. Um, without you, we couldn't be here. So thank you very much. Um, I'm 24 years in Methuen. Um, I have three children in the Marsh School, Alyssa, Adriana, and Christian. My wife, Jen, she works at the uh, Great Alliance Vogue as a guidance counselor. Um, I decided to, I'm also a proud veteran of the United States Air Force, four and a half years. Thank you for your service. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Um, so I decided to run because uh, I got involved early on at, in, a, at a, in a situation in the West End that we all know about and, and kind of got um, in tune with what's going on in Methuen. So I, I thought with my experience, my organizational skills, and my ability to uh, communicate and get things done, I decided to run and try to make a difference in Methuen and move us forward. Allie? Um, I'm Allie Safi. I'm 26. I, bo I was born and raised in Methuen. I went to Methuen Public Schools up until eighth grade. Um, I'm running because, like Mike said, um, I started going to meetings and speaking at meetings. And with the issue that we all were going for, I started seeing other issues unravel and then the news cycle taking over Methuen. Um, I think it's... A lot of people were looking for residents to um, run for positions who don't have conflicts of interest and ties, and that's why I'm running. I think I'm good at holding people accountable and good at, like, uncomfortable conversations, which I think is kind of a point that Methuen has to do to deal with problems. Great. So uh, for those of you at home, if you live in Methuen, if you're in the west end of Methuen, uh, these are your candidates for city council. Two of them will get elected in November. Four of them will go on from the primary to the final ballot. That means one of them is going to get knocked off. Hopefully you guys will have a good enough time that you'll come back after the primary. Um, we also po podcast audio. So while you guys are talking, if you start talking to each other, could you always say what your name is so the people listening audio and not watching the video will know who it is that's speaking and we won't confuse people. Uh, let's start right away with the elephant in the room, right? Because we know it's going to come up. Why not start off with it? The Sweetheart Inn has been a debacle. It's been very controversial. Uh, the owner of the Sweetheart Inn wanted to put a certain number of, uh, of apartments in there. Some of the residents complained. There was all kinds of controversy. Why don't you guys, whoever wants to go first, talk about what you thought of what happened and if you were a city councilor, how you would have handled it. Anybody? Well, I'll start if no one wants to start. My name is Mike Samad. I was, I'm an abutter of the Sweet Island Project. My family and I, we, we moved there approximately six years ago and uh, we paid for that zoning in the West End, which is residential, rural residential. So um, with, with two acres, you're allowed one lot. Um, Sweet Island is on four acres, so they're allowed two lots, to, and they wanted to put 15 homes on, on four acres. So that was 13 homes more than they wanted to. So our whole fight was not about the history or denying a over 55 
you know, development. It was all about just adhering to the zoning. And I think the mayor came in. I think there were some conflicts. And uh, right away he took office and rubber stamped it and um, took the, uh, the case out of land court and brought it back to, uh, you know, uh, city government. And luckily the community development board got it right and they pushed it right back to, to land court uh, once they uh, appealed it on the last day. So that's how, how, how would you would have How would you have handled it, though? Um, I would have stuck by the experts in this case, which is the Community Development Board. They got it right. They had three lawyers on the board. They had uh, uh, Mark Angeloni specialized in land court disputes in Boston, and, and, and they got it right. They did the homework. They denied it knowing it was, they were going to sue. And, um, and, of course, the mayor undermined them and pulled it right out from under there. Anybody else? I, I, I want to jump in. Bill Bryan, sure. and, and not trying to throw a shot across, but... You know, I believe everyone's in a butter here except myself. So technically, as we're talking about conflicts, that would be a situation that, that I would probably be the only one on the city council from the West End that could vote on, on, that, on that particular situation because I don't, I don't abut the property. However, I, I do agree with Mike. You know, 14 to 15 units in a four-acre lot is just, that is not what's best for, for that neighborhood. And if you travel down the street, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. But I, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm getting involved in as well. There needs to be more communication with the community. There needs to be more communication from the community to City Hall. And I think that's what's lost. And that's one of the things that I hope to bring back. There's a lot of active people in Methuen that just are not getting their voice heard in, at City Hall or at these meetings. And I think they've lost trust. So, how, how would you have handled it? As far as my vote? Yeah. Um, the vote never came to the city council other than the historic. And I think that was the mistake because, you know, the, the mayor, you know, basically cut that off in the past. So I'm very pleased with what happened. But if the, if the vote came to me as far as the 14 units, I would have not supported that. Anybody else? Uh, no, I wouldn't have supported it either. Oh, yeah, okay. I wouldn't have supported it. And also on that, not only is it four acres, one acre is wetlands mostly. So two houses wouldn't really even fit there. And most of the neighbors, from my understanding, were okay with him having two houses, which was kind of an agreement. And instead, the mayor made a an agreement in secret or whatever. And then he held the community development, um, like force gave them, you know, a strong hand and told them that they had to do it his way or they were going to court. And I think the fact that people resigned over it speaks volumes. Uh, I'm not sure it would come back to council so that people can vote on it. I think if it comes back to the table, it's going to the community development board. Just like how <laughs> every time it does come back, the developers come back with, I'm forgetting what it's called, but they're supposed to meet a certain amount of um, expectations. That's the agreement with the mayor, which is like sidewalks, the way that they do um, runoff with water. And rather than coming back with actual meeting the expectations they're supposed to, they actually get rid of them every time and they have less, they have more houses and they bring back less to the community, which is crazy. And on top of it, we don't have um, sewer on our street. So this development would be getting sewer. They're getting water from a very strange way um, going through the woods. It's kind of a, just a mess in general. Um, it's kind of sad that the deal has gotten this far, but I mean, our street's pretty fast going. I don't think we need a development in that tiny little lot. Frank, you've been quiet. Right. Okay. I'm not a director butter, but I do live close to the Sweetheart Inn. 
I think that we should stand behind with Just the pull the mic in a little bit more, Frank. Sorry. I think we should stand behind with the Community Development Board. It twists. What their, uh, what their vote was. It's a two-acre minimum. And, it is what it sorry, is. I don't want to, I'll, I'll give you more time. Go ahead. How's, how's that? That's better? perfect. Good. Okay. I think we should stand behind what the Community Development Board ruled. It's a two-acre zoning. It is what it is. I mean, if it was different... It could be different, but it's not. I mean, you start bending rules for one person. What would happen if everybody on that road that's got more than two acres plus? Uh, I'm ready to tear down my house. I want to put in. Uh, I want to put ten condos in in my backyard. I feel bad for Mike and Leanne. They're nice people, and I realize this is their golden parachute on their way out. But rules are rules. Right. It is what it is. You know. And Go ahead. Can I, can I follow, Frank? I, I think. Bill Bryant. Thanks, Bill Bryant. Thank. That's one of the issues that, that I think comes up when you talk about politics. Is they are nice people. I don't know them very well, but you have to remove the name sometimes. Right. And and I, I get it. That's something that they're trying to invest in. And, you know, from what I heard, you know, retire and that would be their nest egg. But when it comes to a community and, and what's going to impact the, the citizens, you have to remove the names and, and go by the rules and, and the expectations. And that's what I felt like was missing throughout the whole conversation. You know, at one point I heard that even the fire trucks wouldn't have been able to, to get down the street. So those are the things that I, I feel that, that I want to talk about tonight is how, how, as a city councilor on the West End, for someone that's not in politics, that this is our first time, how are we going to be a voice for the people to make sure that those facts are not being left out and those are being talked about at city council meetings, at community development meetings, and the people of the community are hearing what's going on because I think the mixed messages is what turn people, people off and they just stop listening right. and then things like this pass. So there was a lot of talk about this project that there was some kind of backroom deals going on. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on that? Well, Frank Allo, I honestly don't know if there was any backdoor deals going on, to be honest with you. I know that they tried to push the project through. They tried several different approaches to do it. They showed us plans. They didn't show us plans. Like Ms. Safi said, that they came before the board, and, and, and it seemed like there was less restrictions. The more houses they put in or the less houses they put in, the, the restrictions started coming down. No granite curbing. Uh, sidewalks probably weren't warranted out there because – but no, no granite curbing. Uh, the infrastructure was poor. They were going to come to our woods with the water. We have no sewerage on the road. I mean, I mean, if they would have said, hey, look, we're going to put in an X amount of houses, but we're going to run sewerage down the road for everybody, or, or just try to work with us just a little bit more. There was no meetings. There was no dialogue. You know, it seemed like that it was uh, – it was just getting pushed right through. Well, and that's why I think a lot of people think that it was a backroom deal. I wasn't in the backroom, so I don't know, but I, I'm interested in what the rest of you guys think. I think there was a backroom deal. From uh, reading the minute notes and being at meetings, um, I'm pretty sure in one of the minutes notes with the com community development, I mean, it wasn't like a bad backroom deal, and I only say that in the meaning that the well, mayor is allowed Well, he's allowed to like negotiate, and he's allowed to make deals and it's in his power but i mean it was a bad deal for the residents so i mean it was done behind closed doors and it wasn't it's not like he came out and said hey i made this deal it was just he did it and then it, he brought it to the community development and kind of expected them to just say okay we'll we'll sign off anybody else yeah mike samadi i think the biggest thing that uh, people had problems with was all the the uh, conflicts and the dirty politics right from the beginning. So, and I brought them up on several occasions when I was active uh, um, uh, fighting that project. And, uh, you know, they reeked to high heaven right from the beginning. Um, and, and it seemed like a rubber stamp because he came right into office and pulled it right from land court. Never even spoke to the community development board who, who did their homework. I would think if you were the mayor, 
you, you would talk to your, your, your experts, the people that are, that are appointed, that are elected, that know what they're doing before you, you act like that, and, and he didn't do that. So he wanted to you know, pull at the 11th hour because he had to when he did, and, and, uh, and it backfired. So we're hoping that um, you know, they, they do what they've been doing and they, they do the right thing. Here. Anybody so, else? Just, just to final, you know, uh, this is Bill Bryant, just to follow up, I think the, the members that jumped in and, and did volunteer and get elected I think, as, as Mike just said, they did the right thing. And I think that's what is happening in Methuen time and time again is people are stepping up. But at what point does that end? Right. You know, at what point is, is, are people just going to stop fighting? And I think we're in that, that little era right now where just there's not enough people volunteering because of so many little issues that have come up that have turned them away. And in general, voters, I think, is the same thing. And, and that's what I want to bring some excitement to the West End, a forum like this to, to get out there and, and get your name out there and, and have conversations, you know, walking the street and talking to people there, talking about two or three things in, in, you know, in the West End, and this is one of them. Before we move on, Jerry, you've been very quiet. I'm just taking it all in. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm not a direct butter there, but I've, you know, I live pretty close. I mean, the streets around there are horrible. You know, the cars are flying down there, and to add more of that to that side of the town or city would be horrible. You know, every time there's open land, someone wants to build something. And then it really needs to come back to the people. You know, in something like that, they should say, hey, why don't we just put it to the people and put it to a vote? Because no one gets a chance to speak except who's within that circle. Um, th th there's a whole bunch of elephants in this room. Let's just go right to the next one, right? Why, why, why dance around? Mm -hmm. um, the police contract has been very controversial. The city council took a number of votes. Um, they, they tried to challenge the, the, the MOU that the mayor tried to put in to try and negotiate. Um, if you were there, well, in fact, one city councilor, I think, actually said at the table, I voted for it, but I didn't read it. I'd, well, love, I'd love for you guys to, to address all of that. How would each of you have handled the, the, the situation with the police contract? And as, as a, if you could work in somehow what you would have done with, with, with uh, Mr. Kelly, who, I mean, I think everybody pretty much agrees at this point was probably at the center of that. Walked away with a golden parachute. Frank Yallo. Uh I don't know uh, so much of a golden parachute. I think that uh, being a police officer in any community is having a bullseye on the back of your head, to be honest with you. You got to give these guys credit where credit's due. But I think that the city council should have read the contract. Somebody should have went through it and, and dotted their I's and crossed their T's. And that's where I think the ball got dropped. So if I put together a great deal for me and I slid it over to you and I worked it out to my behalf, right, or to my guy's behalf, and if you signed off on it, I mean, the city council should be held accountable. I mean, you got an attorney there, you got a you got a city auditor. I mean, what happened? Where where did we go wrong? What happened? And no where one's is where, where's the where's the bottom line contract? Did, did I mean I never got to view the contract? So how do we even know where the real numbers really are? Do you know what I mean? Right. Show me the W twos. That's what I keep saying. I have lots of opinions on this, but this is not the forum for my opinions. What yeah. do you guys? Mike Samad here, um, being a police officer for the past twenty four years, and and. Um, uh, I, I've made rank, so I, I deal in the management portion of law enforcement. Um, the fact that that contract, which I think is outrageous, was presented to the city council is 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 unbelievable. And then the fact just the that, fact that it was presented, you think? Yes. Was exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah, because uh, there's no doubt in my mind. No one knows what the true numbers are, but they're exorbitant and and they're unrealistic, and it's going to bankrupt the city if we don't fix that. Um, then the fact that it was then rubber stamped by the by the city council. If that was a, a say a company, a private company. 
everyone would have been fired. Right. Everyone would have been fired. But now people want to move forward and, and continue the, the, the saga, so to speak. So I think we have to work together as a city council and as a mayor. Okay, and the police department. We have a great police department, but I, I think there's, there's some mismanagement that needs to be dealt with. I, I think in the future we should do a comparison analysis with other police departments, dem the same demographics, and uh, also maybe hire a police management audit company to come in and, and do a complete audit of the police department and say, Absolutely. hey, this is the fact, this is what we need to do because this is what other departments do, and, and I think that will uh, help everyone move forward. So. We have a great police department. We just have to get together, and, and, and everybody has to give in. I, I think Bill wanted it on this. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Bill Bryant, I, clearly, I, I think Frank said it perfectly. You know, for, for this particular department in the city, they have a bullseye right away. Everybody loves the police until they're, you know, behind you and, and the right. lights go Tore on. And then, over. you know, the stress goes, yeah. the stress goes up because, <laughs> you, you, you know, you could possibly get a ticket. But at the end of the day. And if Mike pulls you over, he's not letting you go. Yeah, he's not letting you go. Especially no. now. <laughs> now um, I have to. Yeah. <clears throat> I think especially, you know, in a city like Methuen that is that is has grown so much, I think Jerry just said, town to city. I think a lot of people forget that. It's really important that the patrolmen on the street have the trust and the faith of the community. And that's the part for me that is, is really concerning because these guys and ladies and women of, of the law enforcement are in the front line. And right now there's, you know, every house I knock on, what do you think of the police contract? And, and I love the police. They do a fantastic job, and, and any type of involvement I have, they're, they're a class act. All, all of the, the events, all of the things that they're, they're part of, but this is, their, this is their black cloud right now. And that's, I guess, what goes back to my concern with Methuen city government is these sh things should not be happening. As you, you hear the discussion, you know, it was zero, two, and two is what the mayor that signed the contract said. So is, is the council where they lied to? You know, you brought up the, the auditor. You brought up the attorney that was there. Who was in the room? There's so many questions that there's no answer to, and that's what concerns me. So to answer a question like that, not having all the facts, not having all the facts when it has been live on television, those meetings. There's so many executive council meetings. There's so many attorneys. I would have a hard time answering. I would like for the city of Methuen to support the police department. I want them to have the best equipment. I want them to have the safest equipment. But I also want them to make a wage that is comparable to other cities and towns and keep it fair and not put our city in, in, a, in a position to have to cut from the school department, have to cut from the fire department. What, that, once, to me, is a problem. Once we learned what had happened, how would you guys have handled it? I'm going to let the, the ladies go because neither one of them got in on this. How would you have handled it once... Once it was revealed, once we found out that it wasn't zero, two, and two, the mayor tried to do an MOU, the council wanted to do a restructuring, how would you have then handled it? Like, what, what would your leadership position have been once we got there? And we'll, I guess we'll start with that. Well, first off, um, the guy, the brush guy, he came, brush to, guy. He came to council and asked every, every meeting for names on who was told it was a bad contract, and nobody, everyone just, nobody wanted to give him a name, which I think is like, Problem one is that there's no accountability. So there's people sitting on council who knew that it was a bad contract. There's evidence that there no one read it. It's in the OIG report. So, I mean, you have to hold those people accountable. Like, we're in the situation we're in now because people didn't read this. They didn't take into account how it would affect us in the future. And also the justification for this contract from even what the... Superiors Union Facebook says it's that we have a higher violence rate now than we did prior. So I've been looking at um, the statistics for like the FBI of our city, and 
I don't see that. It's, it's, it goes up and down, but there's no like significant jump that would justify this. And then on top of that, the superior officers, like I have a lot of questions, I guess, regarding it, meaning, so who's called first to a scene? Because my impression is that it's patrolmen. So where are their raises? Because exactly. it's, it's just weird too. And then there's, um, you have them talking about laying off canine dogs. So you have already paid and put money into training these dogs. Why would you lay them off? It just seems like we don't even know what we're using our money for. And then we're just so likely to just say, eh, well, we're cutting, we're, we got to lay off people, so let's lay off the front line. How, how would you have handled once we found out? Would you, have a, I, would you have gone with the mayor's MOU? Would you have gone with restructuring the department? Would you have a different idea? Um, I, I think restructuring the department, like them taking that on, was a little strong. I think they should restructure their department, but they should do it. I think that... The police, they, you mean? Yeah, I think that they need to be held accountable, too, so... I think outside parties doing it is is a little strange because we don't we're not working with them. We don't know really how it works. But I, I there's no way I would keep giving them money. Jerry, I'm going to give you tons of time because everybody else could get a lot of time on this question. Uh, if you want it, if you don't. Yeah, want it, that's no, fine. no, no, that's fine. I mean, I don't like the fact that they're saying that they didn't read the contract because that just seems like a, the easy way out instead of taking on responsibility because anyone that has a contract even for themselves, you're going to read the whole thing. You're not going to say, well, I'm just going to leave it up to the the attorney and we're just kind of pushing a ball around and really not answering the really the big deal. And um, the police budget is embarrassing. We're on the news constantly. And it's really some people sad. Say, some people say Methuen's the new Lawrence. Yeah, exactly. No, but seriously, it's getting to the point where you're saying, where do you live? Oh, Methuen. You know, yeah. oh, you were on the news last night. Well, you know what? I mean, someone has to be accountable for something. Mm -hmm. And just passing the buck saying, uh, well, I didn't read the, the contract. I'm sorry, that's not a good enough answer for me. Not as a taxpayer. Right. You know, if we're going to be dishing out all this kind of money, you'll look at the cars that they're driving around. I mean, last time I checked, when you go to a job, you bring your car, you get in the car, and you leave. I wouldn't mind having half the vehicles that are being driven around on our dollar. So, I mean, it's it's dangerous and that we have gone to this this far with the um, the budget. You know, it's, it's scary as a taxpayer because you're like, when are they going to hit us again? You know, someone needs to be responsible and held accountable for this instead of just coming up with excuses after excuses. Go, go ahead. Just, I, I want to address that. So having grown up in Lawrence, you know, uh, Lawrence High School graduate, there don't, was a lot. Don't of, hit me. There was a lot of good people in Lawrence. You yeah, know, and, nobody, and, did, nobody just picked no. And I'm going to throw a compliment to, to Mike. You know, I, I have a lot, of, a lot of, you know, buddies and people that are Lawrence firemen and, and policemen. I, I think one of the issues with Lawrence is there's not enough people that have direct roots to the city. There's a lot of transient, a lot of people that are moving in and out. That's my concern of Methuen. That's what's and happening. And if, if we don't start to take what, what is going on serious with the disconnect with the government and the communities, you know, west, east, central, and the entire city, th there's a potential that people are going to start moving out and the people that are moving in aren't as invested. And you're going to see a decline in, in, the, in, the, in the clubs and the activities and things like that. And that is a concern. But I think we're many, many years away from that. But going back to the police contract... I don't think there was enough conversation about the facts. You know, people keep saying, reading the contract. Are we talking about the police contract? Because if we are, that's not the city council's responsibility. The city's council responsibility is to vote on the overall city budget. And I'm, I'm pretty sure when I watched the meeting, that budget 
was not was voted to not be allowed to be voted at in sections. They voted it as a whole. And I think that's something that was a concerning to me, and I would have not allowed that. That would have been something that I, I would have, you know, definitely caused a little bit more of a stink, not, you know, hit you, Tom, or anything. That's but fine. I would have, you know, that, that to me is a problem, that that, was, that that was a specific budget that was not allowed to be looked at in sections, and it was approved as a whole. And I think those are the things that the, the, the citizens of Methuen need to hold their city councilors um, accountable for. But what if you're a two or three of those city councilors that said, no, we want to we wanna open that budget up, and they're voted out? Right. And I think those are the things that people need to go back. Those conversations are online. You can go back and look at a city council meeting, and I think there's too much of, of you know, this entire group did this or that. Go back. The evidence is there. Your city councilors that are, are incumbents are interviewing for their next job on TV live in front of you. And if you don't take the time to look at that, but you have an opinion, that, that's troubling to me. So uh, one of the things that bothers me, I, mean, I don't live in Methuen, so I have no right to be bothered by any of this, but, uh, but I drive through Methuen, and one of the things that really bothers me is all of the development going in. I watched what happened in Lawrence when Lawrence fell, and one of the things that was going on was too much development, especially for low income. What do you guys think about the development situation in Methuen, and how would you handle it, whoever wants to go first? I think the zoning laws, Frank Yellow, I'm sorry. Okay. I think the zoning laws uh, should be in place where they are. You know what I mean? I mean, it, like a perfect example. Where we live in the West End, it's a two-acre minimum. We need to keep it to a two-acre minimum. This way we can have some space in between us so we're not overdeveloping. And then now you got more kids in schools. you got to hire more fire department, more police department. Everything goes up. Mm -hmm. I think that... Uh, it should be held accountable. I mean, the I see these monstrosities going up, and I look at it, and it's actually happening in my hometown in North Andover, and it worries me about what's going to happen in 10 years. What do you guys think? Bill Bryant, my point is th these people moving in, what are they moving in for? There's not enough, you know, restaurants. There's an, uh, when I say restaurants, not chain restaurants, there's not enough places to go, a brewery or a winery or, or things that are unique or different. We're leaving Methuen to go to other places that have these new businesses that are bringing a tax income to the city. I think we're around 12%, and I'm not a politician. This is all new, so I'm trying to do my homework as we go. But most cities and towns that have a, a proper economic development are around 20 21% of income coming in for businesses we're around 12%, and that's what the burden is falling on the taxpayers. And those are the things that people should be speaking out about is where are the businesses that should be coming to Methuen to supporting all of these 55 you know, communities because as a, as a resident, I want to eat at Butterbing. I want to eat at local places and, and support them that they're also supporting the athletes. They're also supporting these, these clubs. And, and Royal House of Roast Beef. Royal House of Roast Beef, yes, absolutely. Manos, I mean, the list goes on. All these little mom and shop places are truly supporting but we're not supporting them by bringing in other businesses that are our workers, that they're going to be buying lunch during the day. There should be more businesses on 110 that will go to that restaurant, uh, you know, the sub shop, and, and, and buy the food, not just you coming from North Andover. Yep. So, Allie? I think that, yeah, we are overdeveloping like crazy. And even more so, I'm kind of confused why we're overdeveloping because I see more houses for sale now than I've ever seen. I, there are houses for sale on every street. It seems like people are moving out, not looking to move in. So rather than build more houses, you might want to find people to live in the ones we already have. I mean, we, otherwise we're going to have really, really, really mm -hmm. big taxes coming because, I mean, who's going to pay for all this? We have school issues. We have all these budget issues. And why would anyone want to move into our town? It, like, we have to fix things and move up before we expect. And either way, I mean, 
like for our dis our our district, we do have two acre zoning, and I think that we all like that. Like it's we live in a town. We don't really, we live in a city. I know it's called that, but we really live in a town. Like our side, it's more homey. Like people used to have like farms and walk horses down our road. Like I remember that. And the other side of Methuen, I know that I've actually had counselors tell me like almost as if it's like a, I don't know, like a competition. They were saying like, well, we're overdeveloping our, our side. Well, so you don't get to do it to us. Like, stop overdeveloping your mm -hmm. side. Like, you're just getting out of control. And it, it has a huge impact on the schools. We have a ton of kids in our schools. And, I mean, it's good that we have kids in our schools. But if we can't manage our money and stuff, I mean, where's our education going? It just it impacts a lot. Somebody else. All right, give me some time. <laughs> Well, I think we also need to take care of the, the West End. We, I mean, we have Forest Lake that's falling apart. You know, I mean, I remember when I was a kid and we used to go up there, they had, you know, kids working at Forest Lake in that little hut selling food. It was clean. Um, when you drive down there, it's a mess. The Methuen Ski Hill, that needs to be cleaned up. I mean, that's still our side of town where we can... Um, have people enjoy it now. When you say Forest Lake, they're like, oh, you're going to Forest Lake? Well, we need to clean it up. I mean, clean up the ski hill and do something about it. I mean, we could put anything there, a slide or a small ski hill to kind of let the kids stay, you know, within our side. It seems like what you guys are saying is that you want less residential development, more business development. So whoever hasn't had a chance. Mike, Mike Samad, uh, that's correct, Tom. Unfortunately, revenue comes from either taxes or development. Um, right now, there's too many tax breaks being doled out. And for what? Because our taxes keep going up. We're seeing all these toll brother places pop up out of nowhere. But we get no bank for the buck and we're doing. So I think we got to get someone like a Joe Farrow to come in and um, do what he's doing in Salem um, on a smaller scale, of course, because we don't have the land. But I think uh, downtown needs some redevelopment. We need parking down there yeah. and we mm -hmm. need to draw. Like Bill said, no one wants to come to Methuen. You got, you got fast food joints, but we, we need uh, you know, like a Linfield um, type of place or, or, or now the uh, Tuscan village. So mm -hmm. I think with uh, the right people, we can get it done. Or Royal House of Roast Beef. Well, a great place. I, I just want to respond to that. I, yes. I, I, I think as a city council, as a government, you, you have to come up with creative ways to get people to want to move in. So I never said people don't want to move here. I think people are moving here, and I think the statistics will show you have your, your, your move in, move out as people get older and younger families move in. I think we have a phenomenal school system. I think you see by whenever the school budget's being you know, affected or, or criticized, you see hundreds of people show up. You see picketing going on because there, there is a, a phenomenal school system in Methuen. We just talked about how great of a police department we have, but not for the cost that we're talking about this contract. And I think that's the part that scares me is we have good infrastructure. It's what the city has dropped as far as the ball in having a capital plan, which we're just starting to do now, which to me is baffling that you could have a city that doesn't have a capital plan that can take care of its infrastructure. But... How are we not advertising coming into Methuen, which would actually attract businesses to want to be here? And I think that's where we're dropping the ball. Well, staying out of the news would be one great thing. <laughs> Thank you, Jerry. Anybody else that hasn't on this? This is good. Uh, I want to remind everybody that uh, this is the West End City Council 
debate for uh, the uh, West End of Methuen, and we are sponsored by uh, Angelo Memolo over there, the uh, A&M Auto Body. That's how he talks, so I make fun of him because he's my friend. Um, the uh, the uh, Royal House of Roast Beef, with amazing roast beef, but also has some really, really good uh, uh, seafood uh, plates, especially the clam roll, which was one of my favorite. Dawn Scientech, Dawn is uh, amazing for us. Uh, she's always in whatever we're doing, whether it's police rallies or debates, she's always sponsoring our stuff. Uh, Rich and Abby Larachelle, who, uh, who kicked in $100 to help us uh, pay for the time here today. And we also had an anonymous donor for $100. Um, the, the, the homeless issue in the Merrimack Valley seems to be a really uh, horrible thing, uh, which should, I guess, go without saying, but it doesn't. Um, but one of the things that I notice when I'm out working with the homeless is that many of them aren't from Lawrence. A lot of them are from Methuen. Mm. And we look at the surrounding communities around Lawrence, and what we see is that People who paid taxes their whole life, owned a maybe a half a million dollar home, paid taxes, did the right thing, then their company goes under, they end up homeless. There's nothing in those communities, there's no services in those communities, especially Methuen, North Andover where I live, Andover, the, 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 those communities at Abut Lawrence, to help their residents when they become homeless. And it seems to me like we have a, a senior center in every community, we have a youth center in almost every community. Um, why doesn't Methuen have some kind of services for people who lived in Methuen their whole lives and become homeless. Because what happens is they go to Lawrence. And then so you concentrate all of the homeless people who have, some of whom were, were addicted, have serious mental problems, or just are down on their luck, and you're putting them all in the same place. And then guys like Mike Samad have to go around and they have to like, you know, they have to arrest them or move them along or whatever. So uh, I, I guess as, as a homeless advocate, one of the things that's always perplexed me is why Lawrence has all of these things shoved into them by the state and why the surrounding communities aren't taking responsibility for their own citizens when they become homeless. And I'd like each of you, if you could address that in whatever way you want. I'll go first. Bill Bryant, I think part of the, the reason Lawrence does that is the federal money that comes in. So if you look at the comparison of the money that's brought into Lawrence compared to those surrounding communities, we're, we're not even holding, holding water to them as far as what they're getting. So which the 55 plus communities that are being developed, that's a concern I have. What's going to happen when these folks get to an age where they can't afford their $500,000, their $400,000 home because those those pieces aren't in place? And I do want to give a shout out to Michael Gorman because he is, he is someone that, you know, that I've met and talked to and he is doing absolute on the ground work, whether it's in Lawrence, Methuen. Once again, those are the citizens that should be being supported, not being shut out, not being pushed around. I think we have a great senior center in Methuen, but you mentioned a community center. And, and a few years ago, I went onto the City of Methuen uh, City Hall website, and there was a picture of a former mayor at the Lawrence Boys Club talking about the two to 300 Methuen kids that were at the Lawrence Boys Club and how great that was. And for me, I was embarrassed right. because Lawrence has their need. There should have been two to 300 kids from Lawrence in that Boys Club, not kids from Methuen traveling across the city to go there. So that's another concern because if you take care of the kids and you give them proper programming and you get them through school and educate them and then you're responsible for your elderly, let the people that are, that are 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s do their job, get your job, you know, do your savings, and you take care of the kids and the elderly. And I think that's something that we're disjointed right now in Methuen. Frank? I think uh, that's a great thing that you brought up, that we, that we don't really have anything in place for the homeless. I know in Methuen, I sit on the Housing Authority Board, like I mentioned earlier, uh, we take fantastic care of our elderly. I just want you to know that. 
Uh, Good to know. Yeah, we do. We really. When go I get old, I'll move to Matoan. <laughs> we go above and beyond for them. Uh, we have a great board over there. Uh, but I think that's that's something that's that's a great idea. I think that that might be an idea, a new idea that could be brought to the board. You know, to new to a new city council, just for somebody to work on. I mean, we have some buildings that are vacant here in Methuen. Why don't we uh, transform these buildings into maybe like a little youth center or something or or a little shelter or something, you know what I mean? And give these people a time limit, say, you know, if something really bad, look into their situation because you have to look into it. Not sure. everybody's jumping on the bus for a free meal and a, right. and a warm place to sleep, but... Uh, I think it's a great idea. I mean, I, I'm su- kind of surprised living in Methuen my whole life. I've never really even thought about that. When I drive through Lawrence, down Canal Street, they're standing there with signs. Yeah. Can you give me a dollar? Can you give me this? Can you give me that? And most of them aren't from Lawrence. That's what, that's, from Lawrence. Lawrence Mayor Rivera's biggest biggest beef with the homeless in Lawrence is that most of them aren't from Lawrence. And his view, and he's, I don't think he's wrong, although he's wrong about most things, but I don't think he's wrong about this, is that why don't why don't those communities where these people came from have services mm-hmm. for them, and that's why I figured we'd bring it up. We, we get to think about this for one minute. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry to take up time. No, no, that's fine. Frank. These guys that are hustling, these panhandlers, right, that are on the sides of the street, and look, and I'm not putting anybody down, right, but they can sit there and they can collect 100 bucks a day or 80 bucks a day. They can't go anywhere to work for f- what type of money is, is offered to these people. Right. You know what rents are out there? You know what it costs? To, you know what I mean? So, 1200 for a one-bedroom in Lawrence. Okay, so so what shot do these people have if they went to work at McDonald's or Burger King right. or Kmart? Look, I'm not putting any of those places down, by the way. I'm just saying... That's what's, that's the reality of what's happening here. That we need to take a look at everything as a whole. I mean, look at the, I mean, you got a lot of people that are making a lot of money in Methuen. We need to start sharing. I mean, not, look, we're not asking anybody to take donations here, you know what I mean, for the shelter or anything, but I mean, there's got to be some point where you got to be human about all of this, you know what I mean? I mean, these people, I don't think they want to be out on the streets panhandling looking for money. I think they'd rather be supporting themselves, living in homes or, or living in shelters. But we do have a place in Methuen, it's called uh, Haven of Hope. It used to be the old Mont Carmel School. Now, that is a place where the fe- females get to go in there, and uh, it's a safe place for them that are living on the street. They take them in. They try to do the right thing by it's, them. It's mostly battered women, though, right? Yes. Okay. Right. Or, 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 addiction. or an addiction, addiction. Or an addiction issue. So I think... So thinking of that, so Methuen is stepping up a little bit where they probably get some great tax incentives for moving in there or whatnot. I really don't know, you know, the particulars of that. But, I mean, that that is a place that's in place right now, right? So if you had a couple more of those in, maybe that's the answer. But that's a great idea. I think that something like that really should be brought up. Jerry wants in on this. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe that's what we should have. We should do. Um, Haven Hope is an amazing place. I've gone in there and uh, spoke with um, the women there. But it all comes down to the money, and we're dealing with outrageous budgets going on, and we need to stop paying these high salaries for a lot of brass, and that money could go somewhere to help with the homeless or the addiction so they have somewhere to go, and they're not going to Lawrence. But we're not. It's you're right, we're not helping anyone around that needs that kind of help, and with the salaries out of control, how can we help them? So where do you go from there when we're already in such a mess. Well, I, yeah. I, I, I'm going to jump in. Bill Bryant, I, I, it goes back to the, the development of businesses. If, if folks are, are down on their luck and don't have a job and we're bringing businesses in, th- there's a perfect match. My concern is we have a, a track, we have a city-owned tennis court, we have zero basketball courts. We can't even take care of the things that we're charging the school system to use. We're not even taking care of those. So it goes back to why am I running for city council? Because those are the answers that I want. When we're shaping the budget, 
I don't want to answer to the West End to say we're going to raise taxes and, and don't. This isn't to say I don't want to help the homeless, but we're not even stable yet as a city government in taking care of our infrastructure. So how do we then turn around and start programming? My question is, where's the federal and the state money that supports Lawrence with these programs? Why are we not accessing that? We're a gateway city. We are a city. I, I, I get it. Methuen's a town, and it's been a town for a long time. I want to feel like I, I live in a town as well, but the fact is I live in a city. Why are we not accessing these type of city funds from the state and federal government to support these programs it's instead of tax burden on the same people over and over and over again, which are the residents? It's an, excellent, to, it's an excellent point, but we've got to go let somebody else in because you had two on this. Yeah, uh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, Mike Samad. Um, the biggest thing, homelessness, is that it's, it's, it's um, the underlying problem, which is opioid addiction. That's, that's why most people are homeless. That's why most people go to our neighboring community because it's readily available. But... I think we have to fight that, and we have to get state and federal money, like Bill said. That's the only way we're going to do it. We can't afford to fight homelessness on a, on, a, on a local level. We need state. We need grant writers. We need people that can come in and that can, that can get money and that we can fight that because without uh, you know, overcoming the opioid addiction, it's not going to work. It's just getting worse and worse and worse, and you see it, and I see it. So, uh, Allie, we're going to give you as much time as you want because everybody else had a lot of time. All right, so first off... Um I feel like uh, Methuen puts a lot of money into everything they do. Um, for example, they actually just redid their basketball courts and the football field recently, and they redid the paving for the school. So uh, this is, uh, I'm a, a little enlightened, I guess, with this issue because it never really occurred to me. Um, I think that we do have a lot of abandoned buildings that we could probably like transform into a shelter. Um, I'm not sure how Lawrence does it, if it's strictly government or if the town pitches in or how that works or if it's volunteering. But I mean, I'll, I'll give you more time, but I just want just for, for clarification, the city of Lawrence does nothing for the homeless. Okay. The city of Lawrence spends not one dime on the homeless. Um, the, there's one there's one shelter, the Daybreak Homeless Shelter, that gets state funds. They get no federal funds. They've never even heard from Elizabeth Warren ever. Um, Bread and Roses runs on private donations. Courtroom runs uh, basically from the money from St. Patrick's Church. So there really aren't a lot of grants that come in from the federal government. There's very little grants that come in from the state. And that's one of the reasons why you see the panhandlers out on the street, because they, they don't have the services. But everybody's going there because that's, A, what Mike said, that's where the opioids are. But also that's where all the other homeless people are. And when you're homeless, you go where you, the other homeless people are. So you can say, hey, where can I, where can I go eat? Where can I go get? So I'm going to give you as much time as you want. I'm sorry. Um, okay. Well, that actually answered one of my questions. But um, so, like, we have churches in our um, city. And I think we, a lot of residents are pretty charitable. So I don't see why... The community shouldn't step up and make efforts to, I mean, if not start like a shelter to at least fundraise money to help because it that is true. Like Methuen residents that are homeless are going to Lawrence. That I wasn't really aware of that. I mean, it shouldn't burden Lawrence. However, <laughs> I do think any government would be a little skeptical of giving us money since we just took out a $4 million loan. Um, so it sounds like we can't really manage our money. So I'm not really sure why they would give us more money for other issues. And I think another issue on this is tolerance. So like when California has a lot of homeless issues, um, the community, it's either they're tolerant or they're not. So if they're not tolerant, they're calling the cops and then they're, they're forcing the homeless to move. So they're, so I'm guessing that's probably part of the problem so if that is part of the problem, I mean, it's kind of a tough situation because, I mean, you don't necessarily want people who are living on the streets, I guess, around your house, especially if you 
think they might be like addicted to drugs, but it's just kind of like a double-edged sword. You also want them to be safe and you want to take care of these people. So I guess you have to use tolerance in a way where you can find them an alternative that's safe for you and safe for them. So maybe starting up something and getting the churches involved in the community and other fun, I don't know, other methods of getting money so to work on that. Uh, we want to remind everybody that this uh, debate is sponsored by Royal House of Roast Beef. Great roast beef, great uh, great uh, clam rolls, my favorites. Don Seintac, Rich and Abby Larachelle. And Rich is actually here. Thanks for coming, Rich. Uh, and an anonymous donor as well as our good friend Angelo over there at uh, A&M Auto Body on South Broadway uh, in Lawrence. If something happens to your car, you get a ding, you get a scratch, you get into an accident, bring it to him. I got into an accident when I was doing a live one night chasing police calls. I think I was chasing Mike Samad, actually. Um, and somebody, some, somebody T-boned me. And, uh, and I brought my car to A&M Auto Body. And three weeks later, I got it back. And you couldn't even tell that it was in an accident. So you should bring it to them. Um, the school department was mentioned. One of the things that bothers me about what happened with Judy Scannell, the school department, the $4 million that they were in the red, uh, is that when the city council, which I think did an amazing job going line by line through this last budget, they went line through line in public so that everybody could see what it was that they were spending on in each department. And uh, you know, at one point, I think somebody was questioning how many pencils we have. I thought that was awesome because it was a great learning thing for the public to know where their tax dollars are going. School department didn't do that. School department didn't come before the city council and go line by line. So one of the reasons I believe that they went into the, they went into the red is because the school committee wasn't really keeping an eye on the way the spending was going, and the city council, which is supposed to be the stopgap, city council still votes on the school budget, didn't have access to those numbers. Can you guys each talk about what you thought about what happened with the schools, and as a councilor, how would you stop it from happening again? Anyone? I'll, I'll jump in. Bill, Bill Bryant, I, I think, once again, communication I'm going to agree with you. I can't say that I've agreed with every counselor over the last you know, year and a half, but I will say they went detail by detail. I mean, there was a, And it was painful, but it was great to uh, see. Oh, uh, I hear you. But you know, even the trash deal that, that was kind of blown up and, and segregated into trash and recycling, that was because they took the time to go through it. But that's not 100% their responsibility. That's the expectation of the department to give them those facts. So the fact that this present city council demonstrated, hey, if you're not going to give us the facts, we're going to go through and we're going to go line by line and do that, I think sent a message that if we do that, people should start losing their jobs. If they're going to be hiding money and misrepresenting what's going on, that equals you not doing your job correctly. But going back to the school department, I think having that open communication between the elected school committee body that's responsible for that one entire budget, it's like we were talking before, Frank, it's a series of errors that happened. And how did it get that way? To blame it on the city council, I have a hard time with that because they were expecting the information to come that was accurate and, and, and to be able to be updated on a monthly basis, and it appears they weren't. And I think See, that's the expectation. And, and I, know I, I know I get no opinion in this because I don't live in Methuen, but I sat on the school committee at Lawrence, and if I was sitting on the city council and I wasn't getting the information that I wanted, I would vote on no on every single budget until we got the information that we wanted. Anybody? Didn't councillors uh, refuse to get that, though? I mean, I watched one of those meetings, and one councillor said that he didn't want the budget because he wasn't going to read it. Wow. Hmm. Because it was too much like work. I mean, I agree with you. I think that it is so I, an I, issue. Ali, I watched that meeting. I, I think the, <laughs> the intent behind what he said was the school budget is right. much let, – let's be factual, though. The school budget is much different than the city budget. So the terminology that used, is, that's used in a school budget reads much differently than the police, the fire, things like that. The personnel reads differently. And I think the point he made was we need this budget broken down so we understand the terminology. <clears throat> but to say admin – 
and you have no other facts and you don't know what that includes, I think that was the point is I can't read this because I don't understand what's being talked about in the line items. I think that's, that's the, that was the, the point of that meeting because I do I actually think I was at that meeting. I don't think that's what he was saying. I, I mean, I don't, it's kind of, I don't want to get into a debate about what someone else was saying, but he pretty much said that it was like he didn't feel like it was his responsibility, which to some degree... I understand because they should be giving you a line by line item. You shouldn't have to ask for things. Also, the school budget, I guess it's strange because the school budget, if you've been watching the recent meetings, not only did no one say anything sooner, people knew about it. Um, no one spoke up. So again, we have accountability. And then, so now instead of anyone saying who knew about it, coming forward and saying, yeah, this is what I could have done differently, or I should have spoken up sooner so that we didn't get so deep in the hole we now have people saying, well, I mean, I knew about it, but it wasn't really my fault. Well, it is or it isn't. If you knew about it, it falls on your shoulders. It's your fault. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but <laughs> we also gave back grant money for the schools. Does, that doesn't make any sense. So we took out a loan, but gave back grant money. Jer so, Jerry, you've been very quiet. <clears throat> I know. <laughs> um, well, I would want everything broken down because I would want to know exactly where everything is going. So I wouldn't have voted on anything unless I saw line by line where every penny was going. So I would have to say I definitely wouldn't vote on anything unless I fully read everything. Mike, Mike Samata, I just think it's been a comedy of errors in city government when it comes to the police contract and the school uh, budget. And I think people need to be held accountable. And, and I, I welcome more state oversight so we can avoid that problem once again, because no one's an expert when it comes to reading budgets, especially as big as a school department where you have state funds. So I, I welcome oversight where people are held accountable. And uh, people who don't know how to make decisions are not making the decision. People who do know will make those decisions. So I welcome state oversight. Frank? I think that there's a school committee in place. They get elected, right? And I think that uh, the burden should be on their shoulders. I mean, that's what they get elected for, to watch the monies, right? I mean, mm -hmm. so somebody should be asking those board members, hey, what happened? You know what I mean? Somebody should be accountable for it. And look, we don't want to point fingers at anybody. I don't think that's the answer to anything. I think I actually like doing that. Yeah, yeah. well, oh, I don't think that... Be accountable. I, I was waiting for that. <laughs> I, 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 even, you know, as far as, the, even, you know, with the police contract, I don't think pointing fingers is the way out of this. I think sitting down... And coming to the table and saying this is what's reasonable, this is what's not reasonable, and and getting to uh, getting to uh, to move forward with it, you know what I mean? And as well as the school committee, I mean, I think Judy did a great job. I mean, me personally, I had some interaction with her. Uh, did I know her personally? No, but uh, I thought she ran a tight ship over there. So I kind of felt bad about what happened. But you know, nobody was nobody was too quick to to kick her out of the doors, right? When they had that little, when she had the issue there with the education, right? Mm -hmm. But what happened when we ran four million dollars over? Do you know what I mean? Right. I mean, everybody's still sitting on that board now. I find it, you know what I mean, a little. You know, look, we got her. Let's let's toss her to the wolves now, right? Well, that's but, what's happening. But what happened to the rest of the board that were there that, that, that watched the budget go through? I still want to know, and it's it's not a debate question, but just a side note. I still want to know how it is that she was a super, she was a principal for ten years with no certification, and the search committee put her name forward to be a superintendent in the first place. I mean, but I think that's happening, Tom, through the whole city. I mean, if we look at every department and and see their all their certifications. Then you know what? Then talk to me. I think Judy did a great job for yeah. what she had to handle right. with the school. And it's a lot easy to point the finger at somebody that's no longer in that position. I'm sorry, position. So it's like, 
again, no one's accountable, so let's throw it on Judy, blame her, and walk away and think that that's okay, and it's not. Right. I'm sorry. So I definitely have a different opinion on that. I think that I understand that she's a good person, but she lied, and then when she was asked about it, she lied. So I'm sorry, you get fired. If you do that in any other circumstance, you get fired. Well, we don't know if she lied. She lied. People asked her, and she lied. She said that it lapsed, which is a lie. And I mean, I understand what you guys are saying, but that's so, I guess what I would bring to the table is like, you have to separate your personal, like your personal, personal. feelings mm-hmm. where like, if this was a real setting and well, it is a real setting, but like, if this was your privately owned company and someone lied to you about their certification for 10 years, and then you were, you could have been liable at that point. And you're just supposed to like let them go say, Oh, well you did good. Here's your retirement. Like you're all set. Like that's kind of absurd. And on top of that, like I, we, I agree with what you said about checking everyone's credentials because she wasn't the only person. We also had a city engineer who wasn't, who, who got the job and they knew that he wasn't even like an engineer. So this is what I'm saying. Yeah. This is an ongoing issue. And I agree with Mm -hmm. you. It like, you need to make sure that people are holding the qualifications and certifications that they need to be in that job because they're getting paid based on holding these. So other people could have been in that position who earned it. And I'm not saying that she didn't earn it with her experience, but if the job requires you to hold a certification, you need to hold the certification. There's no loopholes. Mike, what would happen if uh, you walked into the Methuen Police Department tomorrow, you weren't certified, you didn't go through the police academy, you got, you put on a uniform, you got into the car, and you went out and you started arresting somebody, and they found out you weren't really a cop. Who are you speaking about, Tom? Let's, I'm, let's I'm, be honest we're, yeah. we're talking about, I'm just um, I'm joining in analogy with, with, Judy, with Judy Scannell. Well, let me just speak about the education part. My, my wife is a guidance counselor at the Greater Lawrence Vogue. And every year she stresses out because she has to stay current on a certification. She knows exactly what she needs to do. She has a master's plus 45, uh, and, and she's very educated. But she was stressed out last year because she thought she was going to lose her job because she, if she didn't get this certain certification. So she knows, and she's only a guidance counselor. So if you can imagine the superintendent of the school department not knowing mm-hmm. is a cop out. So like, like Ali said, we have to hold people accountable. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your service, but uh, I'm sorry you're fired. Right, but, but, I'm sorry, but so getting to that, Frank Yellow. So we did dismiss her, or whatever ended up happening. Well, they allowed her to retire. Okay, but that, but so you think that she was the answer for the, all the problems? Four million dollars. I mean, I understand no. the certifications. Look, I have certifications that have to be upheld every two years. Okay, I get that point of it. So she the elephant came. It. The elephant came in. I mean, it is what it is. She's gone. Mm-hmm. She, she did a decent job. It is what it is, but that wasn't the answer to the $4 million. Do you know what I mean? They all knew the board members were there. Somebody had to have known. And when it got to a million, somebody said, hey, look, we're a million. Okay, let's close our eyes. Let's go to two million. I mean, come on, man. Well, you know? if you've watched the recent um, school committee councils, she knew about it. And then I think it was Nick DiZoglio knew about it and he went to the mayor. So it doesn't sound like everyone knew about it. Maybe they should have. I don't know. But I mean, she did know about it and she knew about it to a point where it sounds like she could have done things to help the situation where instead it sounds like she was blowing it off saying, well, it'll fit, work itself out. I don't know how $4 million works itself out. No, so but yeah, you I just can't Bill, assume Bill that. Go ahead, go. I'm not assuming. I watched uh, the... Yeah. No, I'm talking about her opinion and not what you're talking about. So we could do another 20 more minutes on shoulda, coulda, woulda. You guys should have kicked in more money. What we need to talk about about is how do we make sure that doesn't happen again? And it goes back to the infrastructure and the communication. And my fear is, you know, a lot of people are like, well, I want an entire new city council. I want an entire new... 
just be careful what you ask for because if the mistakes that are being made aren't kept and, and we all talk about history, you learn from it so it doesn't repeat itself. Right. That's my concern. So I want to yeah. make sure that people that get elected have the knowledge and have the understanding and have the, the information from the past so you put place uh, structures and, and things in place so it does not happen again. So as a city council member, going to those meetings, listening to it, I'm going to make sure if I'm on city council, I'm going to want a, a budget um, you know, update from the school committee on a monthly basis to know where they're at. That, that's what I thought was going on to the school committee. Right. And, and as a city councilor, I would expect that information to come if they're requesting money. And I think right. that's the part that the current structure is if a department needs money, they ask the city council for it, and then they ask questions. I don't believe they were asking the city council for money. And I think Jessica, Council Jessica Finicaro asked for like a monthly statement or a bi-monthly yeah. statement, and the council said no. They didn't want the responsibility. We've got, we've got about uh, four minutes left, and we can go a little bit over because I want to give each of you guys time um, to ask people at home, tell them who you are, tell them why you want their vote, and in your, in your closing statements um, – Talk about what your number one priority is if you're going to get elected. And anybody that wants to go first, I'll let you guys in. Or I'll pick somebody. Oh, I'll go first. Okay. Um, so my name's Ali Safi again. Um, so I'm running to try to... It's hard to fix problems that are in the past. And I agree that we have to move on. But you can't fix anything unless you confront it. There are uncomfortable conversations that have to be had. And you have to hold people accountable. I understand that that is an unlikely... an un, I don't know favorable opinion but if you don't hold people accountable <laughs> it's going to happen again because they got away with it if i s robbed a bank and i got away with it do you think i would do it again or do you think mike would do it because he'd be like she got she got away with it why wouldn't i like i'm not saying you have to like ruin their lives or put them in jail but you do have to acknowledge that these people knew and did something wrong and that in order to fix it we have to have a a government and we have to have different communities well committees and councils that are going to check each other's balancing how they're doing budgeting and that they're all up to certification on their jobs like we can't just say well it is what it is it isn't what it is because if that's how we're going i would not expect that in five years we have another superintendent without the qualifications because we already set the standard there's nothing we're not we're not forcing anyone to rise above the standard we set a standard and we went below it so unless you want to keep going lower, you have to raise the standards. So anyway, so I am very adamant on holding people accountable, not in an aggressive way, but just in a way that makes it productive for the future. And I also think that you have to have uncomfortable conversations. You have to be willing to do it. You have to be able to separate your personal views and the reality of the situation you're in. Um, so that's my Mike, thing. Mike Samad, I'll go next. We're going over if that's easier. Yeah. Um, I've said before, these are tough times, and we have to make tough decisions. I'm not doing this to make friends. I'm not doing this to be the You're not going to make rep. any friends, trust oh, me. Oh, I know that. I know that. <laughs> but that's what we need. We, we need oversight. We need someone who can, and who can work together as a team and get past all the, all the um, petty bickering that we've been doing a lot, finger-pointing, name-calling, and, and quite frankly, it's been, it's been disgusting. So I'd like to be that person to, to help the city council move forward Eventually, I'd like to go to a um, more of a city administrator because I think that's what we need. It's what's wrong with this picture when you have uh, the mayor who's making eighty thousand dollars a year, and you have a department head making four hundred thousand dollars 
a year. There's something wrong there. So I think we need to get an administrator in here who knows how to run a city, who knows how to run uh, city finances, government finances, who can work on contracts, and maybe both. Maybe have a mayor for, to do the, the employee uh, oversight and, and the ceremonial stuff, but we need someone who can, you know, knows what they're Lowell doing. Lowell does that. They have a city mayor that cuts ribbons, and then they have a city administrator that runs the show. Uh, Frank? Okay. Perfect example. First of all, I made a big Number mistake when we started this off. I didn't say hi to my wife and kids. Okay, hi, hi wife and kids. And, and you, my mother up from you, Florida. And you asked if we could do a shout-out. Right, right. And I didn't say hi to my mother up from Florida. So, anyways... Uh, it's, it's accountability with me. You know what I mean? It's accountability. I sat on the Housing Authority Board, and I watched the way things things are done, and uh, it's full accountability there. We know where our money's going. We know who's getting it, and we know, you know, we, we, did a, we put out search committees to get the best possible uh, directors that come in and stuff like that. I think it's accountability, and I think Bethune as a whole is a great community. I mean, we got a fantastic fire department. We got a great the police department. We're lacking on the DPW. I'm not going to kid you that. I mean, you got to go down and see that building. It's it's oh, awful. And with, with eight employees, I don't know how that they pull it off, but... Uh, it's accountability, and I think that if we all pull together and we get along and don't point fingers, I think it's going to be a great. It's going to be a great outcome. You know what I mean? I think these board, these people here that are, you know, that are putting their hat in the ring, they all get some great ideas, and uh, I wish everybody the best of luck. Thank you, Frank Gallo, uh, Bill Bryan, and we'll um, end up with Jerry. She'll get the last word Jerry today. Ann. Jerry <laughs> Ann. Uh, Bill Bryan, I, I just want to answer one thing. We do currently have that financial oversight. I know the full million dollar deficit is, is not a great thing and, and it, it hurt the city, but with that came the CAFO. And I think that's someone that is making, I think, $170,000 a year. And that is that person's responsibility. I don't want to see that position ever end. That's the accountability that Absolutely. the city of Methuen. So that low you know, structure is here currently right now. And I don't think that should ever leave. So as a member of city council, I want to make sure that that CAFO stands as an independent person. My concern is what's going to happen in a few years, depending on the structure of the, the mayor and the city council, when a new CAFO comes to the table, I want to make sure that the city has to demand that we have an independent body that hires that person. And that's going to be the city council. That's going to be the residents coming out to make sure that whoever is that CAFO, make sure that they don't have any ties to anybody, any side or anything, because they're going to be the person that's going to make sure that, that we get out of this. My, my goal as a city councilor, my goal of, of why I'm sitting here is we need to start talking about the positive in Methuen. We need to start getting people to want to move here and, and be careful in how we're, we're phrasing things that saying, I don't want people, people don't want to move here. They do. This is still an excellent community. We're, we're in some rough times as far as our government. And there's a bunch of people here at this table that want to get involved and, and fix that. And I think that's the part for me that I'm excited about. I want to be part of that process. But it's, it's, don't, don't down the city because that's going to turn away businesses. Yeah. That's going to turn away residents. And that's the last thing we need right now. So when you, when you go in September for the primary, vote Bill Bryant because I'm going to talk about the positives. And I'm going to hold people accountable to make sure they're doing the right things for the citizens of Methuen. Jerry yeah, and, and, gonna, and Frank Yellow. Vote Frank Yellow. Too, okay? <laughs> Jerry and we're going to give you even a little bit of extra time because you, uh, you got short, uh, short time on a couple of these, these questions. Um, tell people who you are. And what your number one priority is if you get elected to the city council in the West End of Methuen? Um, I'm Jerry Ambatel, and I'm running for one of the seats. I was hoping that we were going to touch on, like, the charter and a lot of the nepotism that's going on within the city, you know. It was one of my questions. We just never got I know, to it. Because, of, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, Five candidates. It's tough. I know. I know. I just would like to see 
if I was sitting on a board that I wouldn't have to worry about anyone removing themselves from a vote that's been happening in the past. You know, I don't have any connections with anybody on school, city, and I think people that are sitting on the board really shouldn't have any type of connection. You know, that they have what's best for Methuen to move forward, <clears throat> excuse me, to get past of past all the stuff with the budgets and go on the right track because this is a beautiful city that we live in and we need to make it better because it's just, it's on the wrong road. And I really hope that the, the voters get out there and speak loud and proud and want to see some sense of change where at least they know they have a panel there that no one's running away, that we can vote on everything, look at everything and just move forward. Great. Listen, uh, one of the things that I really liked about this debate that was a little lacking in the last debate was there was some disagreement. When we had the at-large candidates in here, they kind of all agreed on everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there was some disagreement here, which I think was good, but it was healthy disagreement. Right. And, uh, and, I, and I think that's great. It also shows people at home how you guys are going to interact with your fellow councils if you get elected. And that's one of the reasons why I like this format. I want to thank Royal House of Roast Beef again. Uh, at some point, either tonight or tomorrow, I'm going to be going down there for a clam roll because they're amazing. Uh, they're on Lowell Street in West Methuen, uh, and they sponsored this debate. And uh, we really appreciate that. Don's Sign Tech in North Andover. If you've got a business or a house and you need a sign, you call Don Sign Tech. Uh, tell her that I sent you. She's a really big friend of the Valley Patriots. She's really helped us a lot. We also had an anonymous donation for $100. And Angelo over there at AM Auto Body, if you have a problem with your car, make sure you go see him. Uh, we also want to thank Two Guys Smoke Shop. We're at Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. want to thank all of the uh, sponsors. Remember, everybody, on September 17th is when you vote in this primary. And whoever you're going to vote for, please go out and vote. And if you don't like any candidate, go vote anyway and leave the ballot blank. Because believe me when I tell you, politicians look at the blanks. They want to see who's unhappy with the candidates. They want to see what it is they can do better the next time around. Uh, Jerry Ambatow, Bill Bryant, Frank Gallo, Mike Samad, Ali Safi. These are your West End City Council candidates. One of them is going to get eliminated. Hopefully you guys all had a, a great time today and that you'll all come back, whichever one doesn't. Uh, the four of you that, that win will come back after the primary. We can do this again. I thought it was very educational. Thanks. Thank you. Thank, thank you, everybody. I also want to thank Ed Sullivan, our, our producer. Ed, and we want to thank everybody. We had a studio audience, which was great. Thank you guys for coming. Ellie, thanks, Joe. Give me one more second. We also have the Central District Council debate next week. We have no sponsors for that. We're going to have the Central District Council candidates here. If I have to pay for that out of pocket, I will, but we really like to get some sponsors to pay for the studio time. September 5th is the mayor's debate. All four mayoral candidates have committed to being here, so please sponsor us if you can. And Melvin Taylor says we got to go home, so go home already. <laughs> The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.